What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, hello. Welcome to Season 2 of The Bustle Huddle. I think it's finally summer outside, right? My sincerest apologies if it's still snowing wherever you live, unless, of course, you live in Iceland, and in that case, I want to come visit. I'm Caitlin Aber, Senior Features Editor and host of The Bustle Huddle. I am so excited about everything we have planned for this season. Let's do this thing. So it's June, which is traditionally the wedding month, and Bustle.com has decided to do, well something new. We're launching a package all about weddings, but not the traditional kind. Instead, we're exploring how our generation is turning away from expensive and over-the-top events and defining life's most important moments on our own terms. The issue features a stunning cover story with Ocean 8's Sarah Paulson, a collection of unconventional wedding stories, and a look into the new milestones of millennial women, written by one of today's guests, the brilliant Jill Filipovic. But before we begin, we want to really emphasize that there are all different types of major life milestones. And what defines an adult really varies from person to person and can even change from day to day. So we spoke with two comedians on the rise, Emma Lemon and Michelle Buteau, to understand how achieving some pretty major career goals has or hasn't changed their own perceptions of adulthood. First, Emma Lemon, who's a friend of the Bustle Huddle and host of the podcast Inside the Closet. This past year, Emma achieved a major career milestone, landing a reoccurring role on the sitcom Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So what? You're from a stupid small town. So was I before I moved to L.A. So are a lot of people. Don't be ashamed of where you come from or who you are. Here's Emma talking about adulthood in her own words. My name is Emma Wilman. I'm 32 years old and I'm a comedian and actor based out of New York City. The moment I realized I'm an adult, I wish it was sooner, but I would say around 26 is when I realized I had no control of the aging process. Because up and before that, I was always like, oh, yeah, by the time I'm, you know, like at 21, I'd be like, oh, by the time I'm 24, uh, probably what I'll do is, you know, run for Congress, have a business, be in some movies and have $10 million. And then it, my goals started being like, wow, I just want to be able to, like, pay for things and, like, find my keys and, like, be in, like, kind of a healthy relationship and not be hungover all the time. So when I was 26 is when I – I don't know if it was a definitive moment, but I definitely was like, okay, I can't control this. My back kind of hurts. I need to drink more water. I need to stop screwing around. Like, oh, oh, I know what it was. The definitive moment at 26 was when I got really excited about buying a nice coffee table. That was it. We've grown up, haven't we? I have that coffee table. It was an investment piece. Moments where I don't feel adult, I I have so many of these too because now I know kind of what it's like to feel adult and then the juxtaposition for how I am most of the time, I'm like, ugh. I don't feel adult in the way that I like prepare meals if it's just me. Like I'm just literally like reverting back to being a kindergartner, like just like slopping peanut butter on a sandwich and like rubbing peanut butter all over my face with no plate. Like it's just, 
it's 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 a problem. Also, I don't feel like an adult when I'm trying to like establish relationships and then talk about my schedule. Not that there's any one set way of having a schedule as an adult, but mine is not the norm. So like then I feel like defensive and weird about it when I'm like, yeah, my schedule is kind of like uh, not the normal adult. And then maybe I need to reconceptualize what an adult is, but that does not make me feel very grown up. Getting Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was a milestone event because it taught me that if I really try with the acting auditions, I can improve. It seems like such a bonehead thing to say where it's like, hey, if you get more sleep, you'll feel better. Don't smoke cigarettes, you'll feel better. Drink water, you'll feel better. And then you do those things and you're like, wow, I actually feel better. Like, who would have thought? If I work at acting stuff, then I'll get better at it and then that will help me get part. So it was a milestone in that, yes, it was amazing to get the opportunity to be, uh, you know, on TV and that's great. But it was also a personal learning thing for me because I was like, okay, it takes time, but you can get better at these things. And now I approach every audition like something that like I can use to like learn from, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to try to listen better here. I'm going to pause better, like really adapt my look for the scene, all that stuff. Now I'm like, it is possible to get something. And that's been a milestone. But the way I approach all this stuff is it's not what you get, it's what you turn it into. So it's like each thing, then what do you then cultivate from that? To be totally honest, my friends celebrated it a lot. Like they were kind of like blown away, especially they my friends were blown away. They really I don't know how they I think my friends, me particularly, if I was getting married, they would be so shocked and probably mortified because they'd be like, like, wait a minute, I thought you're gonna get a lot of therapy first. So in my specific case, they actually were like more excited about Crazy X than if I was getting married. My friends were more excited than I was because I was just so locked into the zone of, okay, now I need to do this and I need to do a good job. So my friends were like, this is great. Oh, my God. ah." And I was like, wait, let's see how I do here first. Like, I didn't get to walk at my high school graduation because I screwed up and had beer in my backpack and got suspended on the last day of high school. So it's like with that, I'm always like, okay, you got to like actually cross the threshold before you celebrate anything because you don't know when you're going to get suspended. You know what I'm saying? So I've had lots of big milestones, but the thing to me that would be like making it, I think of everything in terms of if you had to sell out Madison Square Garden, how would you do? So what's the discrepancy between the amount of tickets you can sell now and Madison Square Garden? So if anything is not Madison Square Garden, I consider it kind of a moot point. Like the day I got back from, um, there's a big comedy festival called Just for Laughs. And like the day I got back from that, I went and did an open mic and people were like, didn't you just do Just for Laughs? And I was like, yeah, but... If an open mic or a smaller club, if they're going to the club to see the club, if not, if they're they're going to see you, it doesn't matter. It's If it's not Madison Square Garden, it's all the same thing, relatively. So Madison Square Garden would be like the milestone where I'd be like, okay, now, the, now I'm doing pretty good. You can watch Emma on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and find her on Twitter at Emma Willman. That's two N's. And be sure to check out her podcast, Inside the Closet, with co-host Mateo Lane. Like Emma, fellow comedian Michelle Buteau has been exploring the ins and outs of adulthood for years, but especially with her Brooklyn comedy show, Hashtag Adulting. And now she's doing something new, her WNYC podcast, Late Night Whenever with Michelle Buteau. Our deputy entertainment editor, Allison Pivovarsky, hopped on the phone with Michelle to talk about what it's like to look like an adult when you don't really feel like one on the inside. I want to talk about your new show, um, which is pretty awesome. So it's late night whenever, and it's at WNYC's Green Space. So talk to me about this. It's it's kind of like bringing late night TV to like audio, so people can always be listening to this all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, when WNYC studios approached me, and they're like, 
we love your voice. We want to do something with you. Um, you know, whatever you want to do. Do you want to do something stand-up wise? Is that and the other? And I just thought like, I've done so many talk show pilots um, for my own show that haven't gotten picked up. And I've co-hosted so many shows, like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And I've been part of daytime TV panel talk. Hey girl. Hey, like the Sherry Shepard voice that you could afford. So it's just like, <laughs> I want to do late night. Mm -hmm. I want to do late night, but I'm not a white guy named James or Jimmy, <laughs> but let's figure out a way where we can condense it. But, you know, I love late night and I love daytime equally. Like it's, I can't pick one that I love more because it's like picking your favorite Whitney Houston song. It's like impossible. And I was like, there's got to be a way where we can marry both of them and bring it to people's earbuds. See, I really feel like all the experience I've had has like been leading up to this. When we started working on it, it just seemed all very natural, the bits that I wanted to do with the show. And, you know, you've been on Two Dope Queens. You've obviously appeared on shows like Key and Peele and Broad City. You know all of this, the Eric Andre show. Uh, but you had your another comedy show called Hashtag Adulting, which I think like fits into this conversation so well. So when you were a kid... Or, you know, a teenager, what for you in your mind was like this defining factor of becoming an adult? Oh, God, so many things. My own phone, for sure. And I remember my parents never would allow me to have a TV in my bedroom. Like, they were so against it. They really uh -huh. acted like I was trying to have a bunch of boys in my room and keep the door closed. I'm like, oh, I just love TV and I don't want to watch TRL with dad. Right. So I got a job at the mall and saved money to buy a 13-inch TV <laughs> with, like, um, an attached VCR in it. And so I would tape all the Janet Jackson videos, all the crazy Mariah Carey situations on TRL. <laughs> I don't know. I think probably, like, my, my own stuff was, like, made me feel very adult. Yeah. I think that uh, over time, like, what marks adulthood has totally changed what do you think now the new adult milestones are? Oh, my God. What a great question. <laughs> I think being respectful um, online and in person mm. and not engaging in being a bully or um, not living in your phone where people, you know, where people could actually see your face and you can actually have a conversation and dinner without having to swipe left or right or double tap. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have to say when people, my niece in Holland, she's 10 years old and she has a phone and um, I'm always impressed. Like she put her phone away and had a conversation in another language, you know, and it's just like that little thing. I'm just like very impressed with, you know, I think it's funny that they spend so long teaching us stuff in school that like I never, ever need to know. Because I have a calculator. I have Google. Like, I have all of these things that I can get an answer instantaneously. Is there anything when you did become an adult that you were like, why the F did they not teach me this in school? Why is this the first time I have to deal with this kind of stuff? I feel like that every year when I do <laughs> taxes. taxes. Yes. I'm just like, why didn't people teach me about taxes in school? And, like, every time I'm on set and I have to fill out a W-9, it's always the same information, probably. But I'm like, good, what is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to get it wrong. And I feel like, why didn't, this is something I have to deal with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. The IRS and the INS is like, come on. Like, how come nobody told me? Mm -hmm. I know. Like, who cares about long division and your word problems? Right. Like, 
Tell me about taxes. Exactly. I know. I am I feel the exact same way. So January through like April is the most stressful time of the year because I just have this impending envelope on my counter that I'm like, I'll get to you soon. Oh, uh, I know. It, I feel like sometimes with envelopes, it's like the room full of like stuffed animals for the hoarder where you're just like, I gotta get to it one day. Or the chair where you just throw all your clothes on and not put it away in your closet. Like this is where you will I rest. Know. We all have the chair. Yeah. Different parts of the our mind. The floor is the chair for me now. I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing in the chair. It's just all on the floor. <laughs> My question for you is, when did you feel like you were an adult? What was that shining moment for you? I was a size 12 when I was 12, and my body was way more developed than my mind. And so the way men treated me, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would get like the cat calls from men and, you know, I didn't understand it. And so, you know, I felt like I lost some innocence when I was young Mm -hmm. because I was so developed. But I really feel like I came into my own as an adult and a fully realized human being when I just sort of owned my sexuality and didn't apologize for it. Mm-hmm. And that came like, God, five years after being married? Like, it oh, took really? a minute. That's interesting because I think that a lot of people just kind of envision marriage as this mark of what adult is. And, you know, once you get married, you're officially an adult and everything's great and you've got it all figured out. So that's interesting to hear you say that it actually came after that for you. Can you speak a little bit more towards like how you felt then in those first five years of marriage? Well, I mean, I've never had a roommate before. Mm -hmm. I've had a roommate for a few months. I was like, this is terrible. (laughs) I never had a roommate again. And I've never lived with a guy. When you are married and you live with someone, everybody it's weird. Like people know you have sex. Like when you're dating, people know, but it's not like assumed or you talk about mm-hmm. it. Right. But when you're together, people like feel like they can ask you about intimate details of your life. And you're like, Whoa, this isn't like a Kevin James sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to tell you anything. And so there was this thing that happened when we got married where we were just like, by default, we were hanging out with more married people, and they took themselves very seriously. When you have the label wife, people already have their definition of how you should be. And I think, for me, it was just like, no, this is who I am. And that took a hot second. What are, like, other ways that people treated you differently once you were married? Once you're married, like, in your 30s, people are like, oh, kids, right? You're going to have kids. And you're going to get a house? Of course, you're going to want to buy property who doesn't want to you're married now and like people had you know this plan this expectation for us and I was like slow down because I don't even know what I'm having for dinner like right (laughs) you know what I mean and um I don't mind talking to people about what their plans are but it just always really annoyed me when they assumed that my plans were their plans Talk to me a little bit about adulthood in the comedy world so when did you get into comedy was it something that you wanted to do? And then how did that kind of intersect with adulthood for you? Comedy wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do. I really wanted to be a journalist because I just love recapping a story. But I had a professor tell me I was too fat to be on TV. And so I just like believed him. I was like, okay, cool. And so I don't know why I listened to him. I was just 18. I'm just like, cool. That's fine. He knows what he's talking about. 
And so people were like, you're so funny. And I would like write email. You should do comedy. I'm like, yeah, I should get paid. Comedians always talk about how broke they are. <laughs> and then I would write emails about my day in New York and send them to coworkers. And they would just like forward them to other people because they were just like really dumb, ignorant quips of like, you know, whatever I saw. And I was like, well, maybe I could do comedy and like that'll be my fix because I really love talking to people and we'll just like see what had happened. And what I learned about myself doing comedy is like, I have to not only check myself, but I have to be honest with myself. Like, cause the more I learned how to be a truth seeker with myself, the more I can connect with people. Therapy tells me that every week, but <laughs> you know, still working on it. So I have a little question. So if you could just finish this sentence for me. If you want to be an adult, you need to blank. If you want to be an adult, you need to get your shit together. You know what that means. I think we know what that means. Every, it's different for everybody, but you know what that means. Whether it's telling that person how you really feel, whether it's paying that bill, whether it's making sure your bathroom sink is clean, Whatever it is, the time is now. Stop it. Awesome. I love it. Michelle, thank you so much for chatting with us. Yes. And thank you for some real life inspo. And I am definitely going to be applying some of it to my life. And I'm sure our listeners will too. Before we get to the rest of the episode, I want to tell you about the Bustle Huddle's new Facebook group, which you should totally join right now. In the group, we're going to be continuing the chats from the episodes, posting behind-the-scenes content, and getting to know each other a bit better. Search for the Bustle Huddle on Facebook to join. Okay, so as you can tell, there isn't really a clear point where any of us becomes an adult. In fact, when we polled people at Bustle about their own experiences of adulthood, their answers were all over the map. Though surprisingly, it kept coming back to going to the dentist. When my friends published a book, I felt like an adult because we were all kind of coming to an event for someone that we knew. And it was someone our age who was just making moves. I recently found my own dentist that is not the family dentist. I chipped my tooth on a beer bottle, and the next day I made a dentist appointment for 9.15 a.m., and I went to it, and I got my tooth fixed, and I paid with it, with insurance, and I felt like the biggest adult ever. Furniture for my living room. When my now husband moved in with me, because I felt like I was, like, accountable to someone else. This is such a cop-out, but I don't, I still don't feel like an adult. Does that make sense? I don't know. I guess, you know, I'm 31 years old, and I own an apartment, and I own a dog, and that's a ton of responsibility, but... I just, I don't feel like an adult. But even if we don't have a clear marker of adulthood, I think we can all agree that being able to celebrate major life accomplishments, goals you've achieved, a supportive community, financial independence, is really important. And especially for women who have always been told that the biggest day of their lives is their wedding day. Well, it seems like we're in need of some new reasons to throw a party. Jill Felpovic is a writer, lawyer, and author of The H-Spot, The Feminist Pursuit of Happiness. For Bustle's June issue, Something New, Jill spoke with several women about the milestones they're celebrating that have nothing to do with nuptials. Jill joined me via Skype to share more about what she learned while writing the story and her own complex feelings on marriage and adulthood. You wrote this amazing piece for us about the new milestones for millennial women. 
you know, that there are things that are changing about how we think about our lives and it's setting up new narratives for marriage, for kids, for jobs and careers. What were some of the bigger issues that you saw coming out of this story? So I think what was most interesting to me about this story was just how much women are shaping their own identities and futures kind of absent any model for where we are now. I mean, there's there have been shifting models of adulthood for men, but for women, adulthood has always come with this kind of turn toward the domestic and the internal. So getting married and having babies, basically. And that's just not how young women today are defining themselves as adults. And so it was really interesting for me to hear about what other kind of markers and milestones women are using and how kind of fluid the whole concept of adulthood even seems to be. I mean, almost every woman I talked to when I asked, you know, do you consider yourself an adult? The answer was she laughed and it was like, well, that kind of varies day to day. Do you consider yourself an adult? I do, actually. Um, I mean, but I would say most days. There are certainly days where I don't feel very adult. What are some things that make you feel like an adult? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's funny. I got married in January and I, you know, I was like, really, am I old enough that I can actually create this, like, basically what is a legal financial suicide pact with, like, another human being? Like, someone's <laughs> le- allowing me to do this? Um I guess it really drove home how much in certain ways I don't feel like an adult, you know, when I look at like my law school student loan debt, (laughs) um, that number does not make me feel particularly adult. But then when I look at the fact that, you know, I'm competent at my job and I pay my own bills. So I think one thing you're saying, which comes across in your piece, is that like the getting married itself is not necessarily what makes us feel like adults, but more getting all of those pieces together, like getting the paperwork, making those choices, merging your life with somebody else. Right, exactly. Um, You know, the kind of bureaucracy of marriage (laughs) certainly feels more adult. And, you know, I guess also that being in a place where I felt like I knew myself and my partner well enough to decide, okay, I'm going to legally latch myself to you, that felt like a decision that I would have to have some sort of adult knowledge of my own self to be making. For a lot of women, marriage is not the thing, right? A lot of women, it's paying off that debt or it's buying a house or an apartment or, you know, maybe even like recovering from a chronic illness, something that makes them feel like they're opening a new chapter. What were some of the experiences that people spoke about in your piece? Yeah, so almost no one that I spoke to, and this was my experience as well, identified marriage as like the transition into adulthood. And this is something that marriage researchers have kind of pointed to in our evolving definition of what marriage means, that, you know, 50 or 60 years ago, marriage was a cornerstone to adulthood, and now it's a capstone. So meaning that previously it was sort of a foundation of adulthood. You got married and that was part of what made you an adult. And now it's like, you have an adult life, you're financially independent, you have a job. And then the marriage is this kind of cap of, okay, we've achieved all of these other milestones. Now we're ready to get married. So for example, one woman in the piece um, named Jane talked about how she started her own business and getting to the point where her business was at least kind of financially stable and solvent. And they were able, you know, they got a grant to hire interns. And when it kind of got on its own two feet, that to her felt like a really adult accomplishment. 
So women seem to point much more to moments like that, that they've done themselves, rather than something like marriage that, yes, of course, a relationship is work, but it's also kind of just like dumb luck meeting the right person <laughs> and deciding to get married. Yeah, it's it's also it seems like marriage is one of the only things that we celebrate together as a community. And I thought one thing that was really interesting in the piece is that people are saying, you know, if I don't get married, when am I going to have that big celebration? Like, when are people going to show up for me? That's something that needs to shift, too, if we're allowing ourselves to think of these new capstones. We need to, like, have parties for each other, right? Definitely. You know, there there have to be kind of markers and rituals to mark these big moments of transition. So one of the women in the piece, Deanna Zant, she had she turned her 40th birthday party into the sort of functional equivalent of a wedding, except that she wasn't marrying anybody. She was just committing herself uh, to her community and asking them to commit themselves back to her. And, you know, I thought that that was such a cool idea. And she treated it like a wedding. She sent out invites. You know, she Pinterested the crap out of it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I thought that was a really interesting, you know, very sort of on the nose and special way of doing it. You know, but I heard from other women as well that pointed to the things like when they published a book and they had a book party and, you know, how hurtful it was that they felt like their friends maybe didn't take that as seriously as they would have taken, for example, a wedding. And, you know, I think what was interesting about Deanna's story is that the only way that she was really able to communicate how important this was, was to put it in terms of a wedding. We just don't really have the language to talk about other markers or milestones outside of that framework of, you know, a wedding is still the most important day of your life. So why did you decide to get married? <laughs> um, good question. I actually never thought I would get married. So it certainly came as a surprise uh, <laughs> to me as much as anyone. Um, I, you know, still have kind of certain obvious political objections to marriage as an organizing institution to his kind of definitional role in women's lives. But then I met, you know, the guy that is now my husband. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was all of the sort of amazing, sappy, magical, you know, whatever lovey things um, that I never expected to experience with anybody. And that all felt very exciting. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And then in thinking about what I wanted my life and relationship to look like, the idea of getting to pick somebody who got to be a member of my family and the idea of getting to do that with Ty, my partner, felt like an enormous challenge <laughs> um, and, you know, also enormously romantic and interesting. 
So yeah, that's why we did it. Do you think that that kind of bond is possible with female friendships? You know, do you think you can have that connection with somebody where it feels like no matter what, you won't just lose touch? You know, I, yes, certainly. I think what is challenging is that we don't have the kind of social mechanisms to formalize that the way we do with marriage. So, you know, one of the reasons that I got married instead of just like staying girlfriend, boyfriend with Ty forever was that frankly, we did both want to make it a little bit difficult to leave because that is what I think gives you that eventual kind of richness when you come through the other side of tough periods or dark periods or periods where you wonder how you ended up with this person in the first place. But with female friendships, you know, we don't have that same kind of organizing legal mechanism that makes the relationship hard to exit. One thing that didn't make it into the piece that was really interesting talking to Deanna is that she has a very close female friend who's also single, and they're talking about retiring together. And these are two platonic female friends. You know, and I do wonder if there is some way to start formalizing these relationships a little bit more just to give them a bit more protection. I think it is a compelling argument. If we're really changing this idea and putting new milestones in place, it would be great if there were other alternatives, you know, if the only option wasn't to be like, well, I guess I'll just die alone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you listened to Call Your Girlfriend with Anne Friedman and Amina mm-hmm. Sow. So I interviewed Anne, not for this piece, but for my book. And One thing that she brought up, which I thought was really interesting, was this concept of having like a designated person. So, you know, the same way that when you're married, your partner ends up being the kind of default to make medical decisions for you. This idea of having perhaps, you know, even like a national database where it's easy to sort of fill out a form and say like, this is the person who I want to be my legal next of kin the person who makes decisions for me in a medical emergency, you know, the person who decides what happens to any of my assets if, you know, if I die. And that that person, you know, it can be, it could be a partner, it could be a parent, but it could be a best friend, it could be a roommate. And I love that idea. And I I think that it is very reflective, you know, of the way that we do live now. Um, That yes, now at 34, fine, my husband's my next of kin, he can make my lead, he can make decisions for me if, you know, I'm incapacitated. But for most of my life, I would have wanted that person to be my friend, Shannon. You know, it it seems as though there's kind of no good reason why a sort of simple but creative solution like that isn't something that we could start to fold in. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jill. This was awesome. I'm so excited about your piece and, you know, being an adult in the world right now. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. So here's where I make a confession. I love a wedding. I really do. And while I truly believe they shouldn't be the biggest, let alone the only, moment worth celebrating in a woman's life, weddings can be a really special occasion. Because at the end of the day, they're about two people, and hopefully their friends and family, gathering to celebrate love in all of its many forms. And as these couples and wedding guests at New York City Hall told us, it doesn't have to be a big over-the-top party for it to be a truly monumental event. Here's Bishop and Nico, two wedding photographers who shoot the newlyweds at City Hall. Wedding, uh, rings, flowers, photographer, officiant, uh, what else? Uh, uh, witness? We have witnesses, professional witnesses. witnesses. Oh <laughs> so. so your job is kind of romantic. Uh, you yeah, straight? it's romantic and happy. I mean, yeah. You get to see happy right people now, every time. As the guys mentioned, if you forget the ring, bouquet, just about anything, vendors have got you covered. 
But that doesn't mean people were taking their commitment to one another any less seriously. Because I love her. You know? <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> and um, what does marriage mean to you too? Everything. <laughs> Lifetime of love and happiness. And while we definitely still met couples who were just there to do the paperwork, even they were surprised by how pleasant the city hall ceremony was. Do you think that, um, like, were you excited to have a city hall wedding too? I mean, it does feel really special here today. I think we really didn't know what to expect. Um, it's sort of <laughs> difficult waiting for a long time, but then once you get into the room, it's like a really great experience. The guy who married us was amazing and uh, very fun. <laughs> Many were actually singing the praises of a city hall ceremony over a traditional one. Well, I think these are the best weddings ever. Why? You just know it. It's not about the show. It's just about you guys. It's just about being in love. You know, if your friends come up and they take off in the middle of the day, well, that's some love, you know? So, I don't know. I think it's more pure. The wedding already happened. Now we're just taking photos and we're going to, going to, to breakfast and, you know, keeping it low-key. Grabbing breakfast in the Lower East Side is definitely a big added benefit of a city hall wedding. And now I want a bagel. Okay, that's our show for this week. If you enjoy the Bustle Huddle, be sure to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. We will love you forever for it. Also, we'll be continuing this conversation in the Bustle Huddle Facebook group, so be sure to join. Next week, we're talking about our true soulmates, our pets. I mean, there's definitely pets that are more eye-catching than others, but at the end of the day, a lot of it is the work that the, the human does behind the scenes. And just like with any other any product on the market, the Bustle Huddle is produced by Julia Shu, Michaela Heck, and Anna Parsons. I'm Caitlin Aber, and I'll see you next week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.